Hi, everyone. My name is Margarita Lyadova, and I'm the host of the We the Women podcast. Today, I'm super excited to interview Sharon Brand, who runs Brands Media Group. With over eight years of experience in communications, digital, and influencer marketing within the fashion sector, Sharon has used her international experience to individually consult brands, influencers, and entrepreneurs on how to elevate their online presence and achieve their goals through various branding and marketing initiatives. As a Parsons Paris graduate, Sharon applies her skills to build her clients' trust and creates a strategic business plan that is easy to understand and follow, and it reflects the brand's need of growth. Sharon hopes to keep inspiring young entrepreneurs on how to stay motivated, focused, and even on how to start their own business one day. In general, I've loved getting to know Sharon because she has an incredible energy and she runs a very interesting business. So I'm excited to speak with her today and have her share some of the great lessons she's learned along the way. Okay, enough from me. Let's hear from Sharon. Sharon, hello. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited about this opportunity. I'm smiling through the screen. Yay. Well, tell us about yourself. What do you do and how did you get there? So I was born in Paris and uh, growing up in Paris as a kid, I felt so lucky to be in this gorgeous city with my family. My brother also uh, was born here. And then at the age of seven, we moved to Montreal. So you can expect it. It was a huge culture shock. Uh, we get there. We don't know how to speak English. We don't know how to speak Hebrew. And we were in an elementary school that was uh, Jewish. And so um, it was totally new. It was a, a whole new experience for us. Even my dad actually had to take English lessons at McGill to, you know, start his business and learn how to speak English properly. And then in Montreal, I just learned so much about myself. It's practically, you know, it was all my teen years. And then at 19, I went to Israel where I studied communications and marketing um, at IDC. And then I continued my studies um, in New York. I did a master's in fashion studies at Parsons, like you said when you introduced me. And then I did my second year in Paris. So I'm right now in Paris, uh, sitting by my desk at home during the pandemic. And yeah, I mean, I'm back to where I was born. So it's been a crazy wild journey. And I launched Brands Media Group during the pandemic. So it was in May uh, 2020. Uh, when I was back in Montreal during the big lockdown, when it had just happened and no one really knew what was happening in the world. And I just figured that I wanted to do something more with my life than, you know, learning about fashion, learning about communication. And so I mixed both and I knew I wanted to help others with their social media. And so I figured it was the perfect opportunity to um, finally do something that was meaningful and meaningful to me and to others. That's amazing. So you've had a crazy journey, you know, from Canada to Israel to France. And before I dive into learning how you started Brands Media Group, I want to go kind of chronologically and learn a little bit more about how you got there. So you've done all sorts of research and work surrounding influencers. And people love to learn about influencers and learn about that world. I guess, talk to me about the research work that you've done learning about influencer marketing and how would you say that world is different in France versus America, for example? Totally. That's a great question. So my first, I guess, would say um, experience with the influencer marketing was actually when Instagram had just launched. I was in Montreal. I was only, I think, 14, maybe a bit older. And, you know, this new platform launched and I saw so many pictures there and I was like, hey, this is super cool. I mean, it's kind of like a visual diary. 
um, of people's life. And so I started taking pictures of myself, I mean, with my daily outfits, because I used to wear uniform at school, but then on weekends, I had so much fun styling outfits and posting it on Instagram. And a lot of people told me that they really loved my style. But then my mom told me that I should really keep my Instagram private and stop this because she didn't want me to publicly just show myself to the world. So then fast forward uh, to a few years later when I realized the potential of the blogging industry, but, you know, it was too late for me to do it then because everybody was, you know, all the big influencers were already big and it was a very saturated market. So instead of being an influencer, I thought, okay, how can I work with them? Because I love this industry and I'm so passionate about it. And so the closest I've come to influencers right now would be when I was back in Paris for my second year of the master's. And I actually uh, did a whole thesis on the influencer industry. And I was really interested in learning more about the two different cultures. So French influencers and American influencers because of my um, you know, own experiences and traveling. Um, I was born here in Paris and then I moved to North America. So I really found it interesting to look at the differences in how they sail and how they take their stories um, and how they speak and everything. And so then the conclusion was that the French influencers, they're more... They're people that just want to show their style and they don't expect, you know, follow their followers to become their friends. And they also keep their engagement very minimal. Uh, They just really use Instagram as an outlet to show inspiration. And the Americans, they really want to create this bond and this connection with the people that follow them. It's kind of like becoming friends with them. You feel like you know them. And it's very special to look at those differences because it's all about culture you're in the you know the the place you grew up what socially constructed you and who you know what society made you who you are today and then they apply all of that into their work as influencers I hope that makes sense (laughs) yeah that's very interesting so I guess like growing up as an American person and following American influencers I totally see what you mean where do you think the social media industry is headed? Because I feel like more and more people are starting to say, well, like influencer marketing isn't very genuine. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, that's been an issue also um, because we, you know, we never know now if the influencers are really enjoying the products that they share. They, we don't know if they're actually wearing it for a while and then posting about it saying that they've been using this product for a month and they really love it. How do we know if it's true? We don't. I think that the industry, you know, it, it's still going to be very, very dominant because I'm working with brands myself right now and I've, I'm seeing the potential of working with influencers. I mean, they drive a lot of sales. Um, so we know it's working. We know there's potential here. It's just that I feel like from a user's perspective and, you know, everybody who's watching these stories and these posts from all the influencers in the world doing it, they're probably questioning now, um, do, is that genuine? And that's the real problem here. I, I think that there's no solution to it. It's just a matter of accepting that this is their job and it's how they make an income. So just like a doctor would make money for doing a surgery, a lawyer would going to court, they get paid to promote products and create content around it. And I think a lot of there was a lot of stereotypes around it and a lot of, you know, cliche and judgment. But in the end of the day, it's their work. That's that's how it is. Yeah, that's so interesting because, for example, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the show The Bachelor, for example. I've never seen an episode. <laughs> so 
the premise is that one guy is picked and many women compete to become his chosen future wife. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the women that end up on the show are really doing it because they want to become famous and they end up being Instagram famous after the show. Mm-hmm. And you'll see the reason this comes to mind is because they become a perfect example of influencers who don't genuinely love the product. They're just being paid to promote it. Mm-hmm. So a great example is like you'll see one influencer promote six different skincare brands in a week. And like, I have a really hard time believing she uses all of those six brands, like for everything every week, you know? So it's a, it's a really interesting space. And I guess for those of us like me that like, I don't work with influencers day in and day out. How does influencer marketing work? How do brands choose whom to work with or how does that get sort it out so what we uh, i'll speak to you as you know a uh, point of view of an agency so we are considered you know brand brand partnership managers for the brands we work with so the process is first of all finding the right influencer that would align best with the brand so looking at the values of the influencers uh what do they stand for what are they promoting usually and then um kind of you know deciding if it's a good fit and then we go ahead with engaging and with sending out emails, which is the hardest part because you never know if they will answer or not. And, you know, during that pitch, uh, you really have to pitch the brand in the best way possible where the manager of the influencer would be like, okay, that would be a good fit for her or for him. So after the emails are sent and after the engagement is done, we just hope for an answer. And when the answer comes back, uh, first of all, we're surprised and we're happy because they have millions of people and yet they took time to answer us. And then we proceed with telling them what we want, what we want them to do, to say, uh, so that's the difference between paid partnership and, you know, gifting and hoping for a post. It's that when it's paid, you can tell the manager exactly what you want to see on the influencer's Instagram account. So you have no surprises. They are told what to say, uh, which is again, a problem in the authenticity of the post. So what I always say is really important is to really have this connection with the influencer aside from the partnership. You want to create a link with them. You want to become, you know, even friends with them and just know that we're looking at a long-term partnership together. And it's not just, okay, post this and, you know, say that and we don't talk anymore. Because when it's like that, then it's not genuine. But when you create this, you tell them that you want them on the long run and you know their potential and you know it's working and it aligns with their values and with theirs, um, then it's different. Then we see the influencer is wearing the product daily. Um, She doesn't tag us because she doesn't have to and she doesn't have any obligations, but we we basically create this bond and we see them wearing the product and it makes us so happy to see that. So I'm sorry, I kind of drifted away from the initial question, but, but yeah, after the partnership is done, as in the stories and the posts are posted, we kind of conclude by looking at numbers, looking at the return on investment, and then we decide if we want to continue or not. And usually when it's big influencers and it's worked well, we have no problem doing it again. Thank you for sharing that. And I guess to kind of like wrap up this whole influencer portion, what started out as social media, so this idea of like connecting with people, finding friends all over the world on Instagram, for example, now Instagram has really turned into a commerce platform. Like they've made the shop button one of the main buttons on the menu, even though that was really never the point of Instagram up until now. What do you think is next for consumers and 
social media? Do you think it will continue becoming more commerce driven or do you think there will be space for social media? Yeah, that's a really good point. And it just happened a few weeks ago also. So I, it's so, you know, so important right, right now. I think that Instagram is really moving toward a more, you know, platform that wants to make money, obviously. And that's because it's owned by Facebook. I think that people are going to shop more, that's for sure. But we have to be careful and we have to be conscious about our purchases and not, you know, be impulsive shoppers just because it's one click away and one tap away. I think, I, I hope that Instagram can still remember their vision and their mission, which was at the beginning, I believe, to be a social media platform where people could just share photographs that they like and enjoy uh it's changed so much over the years which is super cool to see but at the same time I wish that it could keep this you know the essence of what it was before I think for brands it's great because good for them people are going to shop more but for users that are not brands that are not content creators that are just users on Instagram that want to see you know content of of anything really uh, I hope that for them, it doesn't uh, change their way of using the app because that would be kind of sad, I think. Yeah, and I think the dynamic has really changed where before the brands that did the best were the ones that were sneakiest about integrating their ad in the least abrasive, least noticeable way, making it really comfortable for the consumer. That used to be the way to do it. But now because Instagram is rolling out all of these features that make it easier to shop, it almost feels like brands don't have to even try that hard anymore. They just can openly promote their product. And that's what I mean when I say it's becoming a commerce platform because it's not not so behind the scenes anymore. I think for the consumer, it's becoming noticeable the direction Instagram is going. I'm interested to see how it continues to evolve. You're totally right. And just adding on to that, they, they're they releasing right now a feature. I don't know if you've seen it. We're, we'll probably all have it within the next month, but hashtags are going to become semi-relevant now because we there's going to be a search engine included on the Instagram search. So let's say you're looking for I don't know, I'll say street style in Paris, you could search street style in Paris as separate words, you could search sentences. And there's going to be photos of people coming up where street style Paris show is written on their captions. So it's becoming kind of a Google even, Uh, it's going to work this way now. And I'm excited to see what it does to the user experience, to brands, to content creators. It's going to change the game. Yeah, that I think is an interesting concept, though, because like TikTok doesn't do that right now. Twitter doesn't do that right now. So I'm interested to see how that works. It's a very cool concept for me. Okay, so now I really want to pick your brain about starting your own business, Brands Media Group, your experience going through that, what kind of projects you're working on, and also what it's like to be an entrepreneur, because I know you have some good advice on that. So tell me this, when did you know that starting Brands Media Group is something that you wanted to do? I knew that I wanted to do work with social media, and I knew that I loved fashion. I knew that I was good at uh, staying in touch with people, connecting people with others, and using Instagram. And I didn't know that it would end up with like this, how it is today with 11 clients, with a team of four women, including myself, we're, yeah, we're four. And it just kind of happened because I was in Montreal during the pandemic and my dad sat down with me and he told me, listen, you have to start this because you have so many people asking you to help. And I kept, you know, I 
when I was in Israel, when I was in New York, and then when I was back in Paris um, last year, I was working always one-on-one. So I was the social media coordinator for this brand and this company and this nonprofit organization. And I knew that I wanted to help more than one person. So that's the essence of it. But then I didn't know it would you know, evolve the way it did and how it is today. And so it's really after sitting down with my dad and he sat me down in the living room table at home in Montreal and he told me, okay, this is how you start a business. And he gave me the steps and I did it. And after two weeks of designing the logo, three weeks of designing the website, uh, it launched on May 1st. And then we got the first three clients the next two weeks. And then from there, it just kind of, you know, it was kind of a snowball effect and people kept hearing from us uh, and were featured a bit on Instagram here and there. And then more people came uh, asking us to help. And, and yeah, that is fascinating. I wish someone came to me and was like, Hey, Margarita, this is how you start a business. (laughs) I have to learn everything the hard way. No, I mean, I could tell you if you need the, if you do need the tips, I could totally give them out, but it's pretty simple. First one, go to the registry of uh, businesses of your city, country and register your your business names Uh, and then go to the bank and open a bank account for your business and you're set. Then you just need a website, a vision, a mission, and you're good. That is simple enough. (laughs) Fair fair point there. And you mentioned this briefly, but I want to come back to it. You've hired an all-women team to work on Brands Media Group with you. So how did you interview the candidates and how did you know what to look for? Yeah, so I knew from the start that I wanted to have a diverse team. Um, It was a an important goal of mine and an important value that I that I hold to. I you know, I'm Jewish and I grew up in a very uh, small circle. Uh, we'll probably talk about that later, but we, I, I didn't really meet anybody that wasn't Jewish uh, only until I was 17, which is absolutely crazy. And so, yeah, uh, when I, when I said that I was hiring back in May, I, um, well, Jasmine sent me her CV uh, along with other people and I didn't really think, okay, I want a woman. It kind of just happened that it was only women sending me their CVs for that first round. And then um, looking at her CV, I was really impressed with how organized it was, structured it was, uh, clean looking. I'm always looking at that. I think it's kind of the French in me. For me, simple is better, less is more. Uh, I don't need the CV to be, you know, filled with all the experiences you've had. I just need to see the top three things you've done. I just felt like it was a good match just by the way it was organized, which sounds really, you know, weird if you haven't haven't seen the CV. But I also followed my guts. I felt like, okay, this is a good CV. She just, she's clear. She's to the point. Um, she's motivated, dedicated, and that's exactly what I was looking for. And she w- she's also very rigorous, which is a really important factor that I was, you know, looking when I was hiring. And then same thing for Annabelle, um, which is the second community manager. She sent me her CV and because it was the second round, I got more CVs and I forgot to answer her. My mistake, Annabelle, if you're hearing this. And so then what she did was extraordinary. She messaged me and she said, I'm sending you a CV that's curated for BMG, like for the job position for what I'm applying, not just, you know, another CV. So I was so impressed. Um, She wrote down also 10 things of why she wants to work for BMG. And that, you know, just 
it, it was just great for me to read all that. I was so honored and I didn't hesitate, you know, to get on a call with her. And so that's the CV part. But then when you get on a call with them and you hear their voice and you speak with them, then it's really about your gut. And I kept telling myself, okay, what does my gut tell me? Is that a good fit? Is that not a good fit? And I just, you know, I follow my heart. I follow what I feel like. I follow what my body tells me. I used to not do that. And it led me to scary places. So I, my advice to everybody, if anybody's hiring, is really that. Go with your gut feeling. You'll know if it's a good fit or not. That is so true. And one of my favorite stories that I've heard, and this is probably not a good idea if you're trying to get a job, but it is a great idea if you're trying to get someone to respond to you just for other reasons. I had a friend that was trying to get a sales call and this guy would just keep ignoring him. So finally, he took his phone number and he found the guy on Venmo, Venmoed him $5 and was like, this is for a coffee chat that I've been trying to get you on the phone for. And the guy ended up wanting to do that. That's my story about <laughs> a way you can get people to respond to you is you pay them. That's genius. You have no way to, you can't go around. You, you're like, okay, I'll go for coffee. Yeah. So, so tell me this, what does a day in the life look like for you? First of all, it's important that everybody knows I am never bored. I never let myself get bored. Often I'm running around everywhere and it's both a quality and also a nightmare because I, you know, it's not until I'm overburned that I'm like, okay, I need to take a step back and breathe. Uh, but basically, I wake up early. Um, I think early for me, the waking up early for me is the most important. I get things done so efficiently and so quick in the morning. I'm super productive. And by noon, I feel like, you know, I've I've had a whole day to do everything I needed to do. And then I just tackle on for the rest of the afternoon. So yeah, I wake up early. I have breakfast. I sometimes do yoga, but I haven't worked out at all right now. And then I open my computer, look at my emails, answer them. And then I'm preparing the client's work in the morning like that when it's the afternoon, which is usually the best time to post for them. And because we're working a lot with Americans, clients, um, it's the, you know, the morning for them. So everything is ready when they wake up. And then I head out for lunch, usually grab something outside under my apartment and then come back home, work some more. And the problem really is that right now I don't have an office. I'm working from home. So I really have to set myself some boundaries and tell myself, okay, now it's 8 p.m. You have to turn off your computer and you have to turn off your phone somehow and stop, you know, working because it was really difficult for me when I started working full time back in Paris um, setting these boundaries for myself. I used to wake up right away, have my breakfast in front of my emails and it wasn't healthy. It was really hard for me to keep on with everything. So since I've been doing that, it's been really helping. And, you know, I've been more relaxed. Also, I know at 8 p.m. I tune off, which is pretty late even. Um, I know that, you know, in Paris, they end work late, but in America at 5 p.m. it's done. I can't really do that because we have clients that are from the States. So I kind of still need to be available. And yeah, and then I pretty much go to sleep at 11. And there's not much partying right now because of COVID. So I'll say it's pretty calm. Awesome. And I guess, what do you recommend for people who want to stay focused when working alone or from home? So right now is a really special time because we are, you know, all working from home and it is really hard to stay focused and motivated. 
But my main advice would be, first of all, if you love your job, then you really wouldn't feel like you're working a day in your life. And staying focused, if you love something, and if you have, you know, the that dedication, that driving you to, to do it, and it, it helps, it really, really helps. The other thing I suggest is writing out a list and not a list of things to do, but a list of things you want to finish. And by that, I mean writing out, I want to finish doing this today. I want to finish na na na. And instead of saying, do that, do that, which is putting so much pressure on you, you could say, you know, what you want to finish, what you want to get done, like that it's more of a friendly reminder to yourself instead of a more abrupt and violent uh, writing that says do this and do that. And so, yeah, I mean, these are my advice. And I think once COVID, you know, stops and slows down and offices reopen, we'll have even more motivation to just wake up in the morning, go to the office, stay focused on our tasks and, uh, and just tackle on work and our day. Got it. Thanks for sharing that. To build on that, what are your best tips to stay organized? I feel like when you start running your own show, there are a lot of things that you have to take care of and a lot of decisions you have to make that you didn't have to do before because you used to work for an organization where people made those decisions, but now it's you. So what are your tips for organization? Yeah, it's been hard because I, I'm doing everything and I'm learning so much about things I never had you know, a chance to see in my life. So it could be doing taxes or doing invoices for clients, even, you know, the accounting of the whole company. I never did this in my life. So it's been really hard. And the way I stay organized is really by marking down every single thing on my calendar when, you know, invoices are due, when I need to just do daily check-ins with the clients, the weekly check-ins, because we're a team of three also now, I I need to make sure everybody knows what's going on with the 11 clients. So it's really all about taking half of the day or, you know, during the week to mark down everything and then just make sure that everybody knows what's going on. So everybody is on the same route. That makes total sense. I completely agree with that. And something interesting that I read in a book actually last night was that when you are working with supporting other people, when you have employees or you have teammates, something that's really useful is explaining to them how the work that they're doing is meaningful, right? Oh, well, because you did this, now we can grow by three clients or something like that. Or because you did that, we were able to sell X and we weren't able to before. And I never thought about that that was so important. But then when I read it in the book, I was like, it would make a difference if everyone that I worked with knew how the work that they did impacted some kind of larger picture. Totally. And I think that it's the beautiful thing about having a team. Um, it's that, you know, no one is left in the unknown. It's a collaboration here. We're all working together. Uh, one of the values of BMG is to help one another. And so I made that clear from the start with everybody working, working with me that if, you know, there's a problem, if someone doesn't feel good, if someone doesn't have time, if someone's stressed out about anything, then we are all here to help. We can take on more things to let that person, you know, relax and take a step back and do whatever she needs to feel better. So it's so special because we're all learning about each other while using our weaknesses and our strength to uh, do better work each day. And we're inspiring one another also. Um, I mean, Jasmine has a blog that's absolutely incredible. Annabelle wrote a book that I just got yesterday that I just read. And Trinity, who's our contributor writer, she um, she just started a passion project that she launched yesterday on Instagram. So I'm like surrounded 
with inspiring people every single day. That is really cool. And I guess to that point, what have you been doing to learn how to be a people manager? So it's all about being a good leader. And that's also why I don't really like the term boss or, um, or you know, director and all of this. I think that, like I said, it's a collaborative project that we're doing here. And I don't want to consider myself as, you know, the higher manager. I really think of myself as a leader because I want my team to stay happy, motivated and focused. And if, you know, if something doesn't feel right for them, then I would really want them to tell me because I'm not only working with them, but I just want to make sure that even in their personal lives, like everything's going well. And it's kind of being also even a mom, you know, and my employees are my kids in the end because I want them to be happy uh, because if they're not, then it also shows in their work. And so then it affects also the company. So it's all about having a good mindset and a good, good vibes and just good energy. And I've never learned that. Uh, it just kind of happened as, you know, I traveled around and I met new people and I was interviewed when I have, I had my travel blog in Israel and I just met so many people from, well, through Instagram that it kind of just happened that I started speaking here and there to different people, just like how we met, uh, which was on Instagram. And I think, I, I mean, I'm so grateful that I'm, that I'm comfortable speaking with strangers and then becoming friends with them. It's a beautiful thing to do, but I know it's not for everyone. But for me, managing the team and having a team is the highlight of Brands Media Group because it's, I mean, to me, it's the most special really. Wow, that is very interesting. And this is a random question, but I feel like you'd have a good answer to this. Do you have a book that maybe changed your life or inspired you as you were going through this? I think my favorite book would be The Happiness Project by uh, Gretchen Rubin. She wrote this book 10 years ago and I only read it last year. And it was just all about, you know, staying happy, staying in the present moment with everything that you pursue in life. And then she kind of breaks down the book in different categories. So at home with your family, with your friends, with your business. And what I really enjoyed is that, I don't know, it just felt really real and just human and it wasn't going into different direction it was just you know about staying in the present moment and if you enjoy all the little things in life uh you you're filled with gratitude and you're just filled with happiness and then it shows in your daily effort and your work and how you speak with people and who you meet and yeah no her book really did change my life and what changed my life even more is that after she published her book 10 years ago she also published this journal uh that's called one sentence five-year journal and so basically what you do is that every single day for five years you write she said one sentence but it's four sentences really uh and you just write about your day and so the 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 point of the book is that you look back at it and you read what happened that day four years ago and so right now in march it'll be the end of my book because i've been writing in it every single day for five years and this author who made this book really just changed my way of looking at the world because I looked at it when I was at my lowest point um, maybe two years ago and now I'm reading it and I feel so much better about who I am as a person and what I achieved and there's so much perspective I always say to take a step back and look at the what's happening around you at like the outsider's point of view and when I'm reading this journal I'm just like wow I can't believe that was my life too 
years ago. Sometimes I feel the same way. I'm like, why did I do those things? Or like, who was I? (laughs) Exactly. Also, you haven't talked about this yet, but I want to ask you about it. Your social media is fantastic because you write really interesting things. And I think it comes from the fact that you've ran a blog before. So you know how to write interesting stories and you're a storyteller, I feel like in some regard. So one thing you wrote about were the five pillars of a successful entrepreneur. Can you walk me through those? Of course. And I think this is really important for anybody who is an entrepreneur who is trying to be one. So the first one is that you have to accept that nothing happens overnight. So it takes time to build something. Um, Even Brands Media Group, I mean, it happened quickly, but right now it's slowing down. And that's when I realized that, that Every single day is just another day in this adventure that I have to work and I have to focus and really think of my why. And I can be impatient because it's not going to grow overnight. So just taking it day by day, but always thinking about that long-term vision that you have is really important. And, you know, my boyfriend is also an entrepreneur. We work together daily and he's always, always, always reminding me of that uh, whenever I need it. And I'm always reminding him of that when he needs it. So yeah, I mean, it's great to work together, but anyways, I'm going off the subject. The second one is that it's okay to have bad and anxious day. Um, It's really, really stressful out there. And, you know, if you deal with clients, then you have that pressure on your back and it's really hard, but don't lose hope. And again, like think of what made you start, because if you know that, then you know where to go next. You, You have that vision in your head. You have that mission. You built something if it's, you know, if it took off. So don't give up just yet because you never know you know, how it could evolve. Then the third point is to not be afraid to ask for help. Uh, So, you know, sometimes we think we can do it all, but it's impossible. Um, I've been there. I've done that uh, when I need help. I mean, I didn't hesitate to ask because I, it was too much for me to take on. So that's when I, you know, said that I was hiring. Every time I said I was hiring, it was because the demand was getting too high and I couldn't take it all myself. So that's how you grow. Also, it's the best part of all to get a team and grow and learn from each other. And um, basically asking for help made me grow that team. Then the fourth point is to connect with others, um, even if it's people in the same field as you. So before you start your business, you know, even during and, you know, forever, as long as you have it, it's really important to speak with people who are in the same field, but have a different perspective and vision as you, because you're going to learn from them. You're going to learn about, about what what are their thoughts on the industry. And it's always good to collaborate together and to stay in touch with those people. It's not a competition. It's about, you know, building something something that's different, but knowing the other person. So for me, connecting with others is just the fourth pillar of entrepreneurship because you need to be surrounded and well-connected to grow in an industry. And then the fifth point, and that's also thanks to my incredible boyfriend, you need to determine what is your vision, what is your mission, and what is your values for the business. So I know I've spoken a lot about, you know, vision, mission without really explaining it, but the vision is really where you see the world of, you know, your industry. And then the mission is what what are you here for? So what's your why? What's your purpose? What are you giving to help others? And then when you have those two, then you know where to bring your business even on the long term, which is great. And so the vision never really changes because it's 
you know, the world as you see it, but the mission can change. That was an important thing that I learned when my boyfriend and I sat down and talked about those for BMG. And then the values I feel like are so interesting because for us, when, you know, we're a team and we discuss what we want to do next to their clients and even internally between us, uh, we always go back to these values and we use them for post on so on Instagram we use them for between us like one of the value is to have an open communication and so whenever there's an issue between you know between us for anything even if it's little we know that we can speak up and talk to one another uh, and yeah so these are the five ones and I hope that I it was it wasn't short and sweet but I hope that you know, it was uh, easy to understand and comprehend and memorize. Thank you so much for sharing that. That's super interesting. And I love how you broke it down. And I just have a couple more questions for you. The question I want to ask, and I often ask it to people who run their own business, what's the challenge that most people don't know about that you go through running this business? So I'd say that it's probably, you know, the anxiety and the stress of, working with clients because it's such a beautiful thing, right? I can't say otherwise. I love it. I'm a people person. I love speaking with them on a daily and I love doing what I'm doing. It's just stressful. And I'm going to be completely transparent right now because you never know if you're doing something wrong. If, you know, you're posting a story and what if in five minutes they tell you they don't like it and you have to delete it and start over. So it's really stressful. I mean, it's not easy. And, you know, at the end of the month, also you're wondering, will they stay? Will they continue with us? And I think I've, you know, I've had a lot of self, low self-esteem for that because every month at the beginning, I thought, okay, well, they're going to stop now. Like I, what we did was great, but it wasn't whoa, even though I thought it was whoa, but I, I don't know, I was underestimating what we were doing, but everybody stayed um, since we started except for one client and we replaced her with, you know, three other clients when she left. So it wasn't that big of a deal. And I think I want everyone to know that I post on Instagram, you know, daily outfit pictures and I give tips and I'm trying to stay positive and inspire people because I love doing that. But when I'm home and I'm working, which I don't um, document all day long, it's stressful. There's really always this constant stress. So I'm learning a few techniques right now that are breathing exercises and even, you know, meditation uh, just to keep calm and stay present and focus on the now instead of you know, in three weeks from now, will the client stay after the month of December? Because that's so irrelevant for me to think about right now. And um, yeah, it's, it's basically a challenge that's entirely mental. Yeah, absolutely. And something that I think about, I feel a lot of pressure that people are waiting to see me fail. <laughs> like, I, I really do some days I'm like, I don't want people to see me fail. And that's what keeps me going. But I, I think that. many entrepreneurs experience that and whether it's that you don't want to let down your clients or you don't want to let down the people that are cheering you on, there mm-hmm. is that pressure Yeah, and all the, the time. Pressure, the pressure also of, um, well, telling myself, okay, well, you know, it, everything is going so well. Like when is something bad going to happen? Um, because, you know, I, I never know. It's scary and I hope nothing bad happens. I'm knocking on wood as we speak. But um, it's because things are going so good. So you're just thinking, okay, well, is it going to go that good all the time or is it not? And yeah, I'm very like vulnerable um, saying this right now because I never kind of expressed it even on my social media channels. 
but it's something I always think about. It's in the back of my head all the time. I feel you. I definitely feel you. (laughs) So now you have this new business, you're growing clients, you have a team you're excited to work with. What's next for you? What's next for Brands Media Group? For Brands Media Group, uh, what's next is really, really big things happening. There's one thing that I had a revelation of uh, last weekend. So I don't want to talk about it just yet because I'm still keeping it to myself. Uh, but Ooh. in five years from now, <laughs> yeah, I'm really excited about it. And I really hope it happens. And I know it will. Uh, it's just a question of time and finances. So not now, but in a few years. But I, I see Brands Media Group as you know, a medium uh, structure. So of like 100, 150 people and with two offices, one in Montreal, one in Paris. So we could have clients in Europe and then clients on the other time zone and with, you know, a bigger team and a team that would keep on inspiring me every single day and clients that we love working with. And yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I guess it's, it's all about growing the structure because right now it's the structure is is we have the foundation and we're building it building it it's not yet profitable but it will be in i'd say like a year and then the projects for bmg for you know in three years it's pretty much office and more clients and more team members and it's i mean i'm really thrilled to see the direction it takes you know without losing like i said my vision and my mission so everything that i'll do going on from now is going to be based off of that vision and mission absolutely and i think you bring an important point up in talking about how it's not profitable yet but it will be in a year where many entrepreneurs get lost is they realize that you have to give out a lot of free value before you hit the big money you know what i mean So that's something that's totally normal. And I hope that you look past it, but it sounds like you have a great attitude about it. Thank you. Okay. So the other question I want to ask is switching gears completely from Brands Media Group, from your career, you alluded to this earlier. You said, Margarita, I never met a non-Jewish person until I was 17 years old. So talk to me about how being Jewish has played a role in your life. I grew up Jewish and we always did the holidays at home and we were pretty traditional. So really not religious to religious. We never did, you know, kept Shabbat on Saturday. We just did the Kiddush on Friday night. And then in Paris, I wasn't in a Jewish school. Um, And then when I got to Montreal, I also wasn't. I only got to a Jewish private elementary school in my for my second grade. And then, um, you know, continued in that path for my secondary, well, for high school, sorry, in Montreal, it's called secondary school. And then after that, I went to CJEP, which is the two years of pre-university in Montreal. So you have those two years that you you have to do before going to university in CJEP, actually, where I also met Annabelle, but I was surrounded with everybody and they weren't Jewish and I was just standing there I remember and I was like whoa there is another world out there and I thought to myself it's crazy that I've never had any friends that aren't Jewish and I've never you know spoken to someone that wasn't Jewish I mean it's it doesn't make any sense so I was very privileged to go to a really good school and have a really good, you know, really good friends, really, really good education. And at home also, we always 
did the holidays and it was very, you know, cozy and warm and really, really nice. But when I got to Dawson College, which is the name of the CJEP, and I saw that, you know, girls and boys were working um, three more hours shift at their job to buy books that they needed to read. And for me, you know, it was like, wait, whoa, like there's people who can't afford buying their books. And I know it sounds it sounds so um, what's it called? Like I was living in a bubble all my life, but I was. I was surrounded with people who were able to buy their books. So when at 17, I got to that college, I, re- I had so many realization about the world and about everything really, which I'm really grateful about. And I'm grateful that I noticed and that I took it in consideration. And I started speaking with everybody and learning their stories. And something else that struck me is that I was speaking with, I remember this girl in uh, my painting class and she needed to... Uh, take the metro four hours um, it took her four hours to get to school and you know that also I realized okay not everybody lives in Montreal like there's people that live outside of it and it was a huge um, shock to me and I every day I went home and I told my parents another story that I heard when I spoke to someone in my class and they were like it's good that you're noticing there's a bit of everyone and it's important to you know speak to them and also hear their story and maybe also that's how I got to get a, a grasp at other people's, you know, journey and uh, making me want to know more about people and making me a people person. Wow, that's quite the story. I feel like that's incredibly eye opening, but I'm glad you had that experience because I feel like it helped you down the line. Okay. And this brings me to my last question. It's a question that I ask every single speaker. And that question is, What advice would you give to women dealing with the world as it is today? Great question. I think today, you know, we are submerged with content. I'm going to relate it back to social media because I work in this field. I think women today, they tend to compare themselves to others. Maybe that's already been said in your podcast by some speakers, but, you know, I do it and I've realized a lot of my friends do it and it's hard to stay away because we have the content in front of our eyes daily, hourly, by the minute. So my advice is really to stick to who you are. You're unique. Everybody is. Everybody's here to, you know, do something else. So focus on your why, not your why for your career, your why in life. Why are you here? What's your purpose in life? And then just start loving yourself. And I'm sure it's not an easy road for everyone. Uh, you know, things come and go in life and it's all a roller coaster, but less comparison, more self-love. And then when you love yourself, when you love what you do, then you can go anywhere. And it's such a beautiful journey and an inspiring journey. And I hope that through, you know, through this podcast, through my Instagram platform, through the work that I'm doing with every client that I could help and help women and inspire women to feel good about themselves and continue in that path. Amazing. Sharon, thank you so much for taking the time to do this pod with me. Thank you for sharing all of your knowledge and your incredible story. Before we say goodbye to our listeners, are there any last words you want to share? How can people connect with you? Well, thank you so much for having me and taking the time to listen to me. I'm so grateful for this opportunity. And really, thank you. You've been such a great host. So my Instagram handle is at Sharon Brand. And then Brands Media Group's Instagram is at Brands Media Group. So there's no surprises. Uh, We also have a website. It's brandsmediagroup.com. And any 
any DMs are allowed, you guys can reach out to me. I'd love to speak to each and every one of you listening to this. Thank you so much.